That was fun. And uh, that's, uh, how many of you have heard that song for the first time today? Okay. You've heard it before? How many of you was the first time today? Okay. So, uh, good. It's, uh, you're all homegrown uh, folks here. Let's go to the book of Philippians, chapter number 4. Philippians chapter 4. And uh, another question. How many of you in the audience tonight would consider yourself to be worry warts? Any worry warts here? Okay, got some here. Uh, some of you not being honest. Uh, so, but I have to confess, this. Uh, I can tell when I get away from the Lord, and uh, if I get away from the Lord, this is an area that, uh, that I battle with. This is a besetting sin, I might say. And uh, just give you a, a bit of background, when uh, going through school, I had to make 100% on a test. And if I didn't make 100%, I worried about that. And so if I knew I had a test uh, coming up, uh, I would worry about that. Uh, in the football or basketball games, the night before my game, I would have trouble sleeping and uh, worried about that. And I went off to, to college and um, I worried about how my college was going to be paid for. And uh, so that was a, a worry. And then through all of it, God began to, to just teach me uh, that he had given some promises and that uh, there was nothing to worry about and that I could uh, put my trust in him. And what we find is that, uh, biblically speaking, worry is the opposite of faith. And if you find yourself in the midst of worry... Uh, you've got a problem in trusting the Lord. And uh, we sing the song, Why Worry When You Can Pray? And sometimes I think we turn this around, Why Pray When You Can Worry? And uh, we think we can handle it better than the Lord, uh, than the Lord can, but of course we cannot. And, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, if you'll stand with me, we'll read uh, together a portion of God's Word this evening. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 1. And it reads, therefore, my beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I want to, to go back, just look at a, a couple of uh, quick thoughts, and we'll come back and, and just deal with this uh, section. Uh, verse number 6 makes this statement, be careful for nothing. And that literally means don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. That's literally what that is saying to us. Don't worry about anything. And then, of course, in verse number seven, he talks about the peace of God uh, that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
And it concludes in verse number 9, And the God of peace shall be with you. And that's God's promise, that He would delight to give us His perfect peace. It's a peace that the world cannot grasp or cannot understand. I'd like us uh, with that to go to the Lord in prayer this evening, and we so need Him. Would you ask the Lord tonight to have His way in this service? And, and uh, without Him, uh, it is all in vain, and uh, I need Him tonight to speak to me. And let's ask the Lord, just take a moment to yield. Uh, Father, thank You for Your presence in, in this place. So good to be here tonight. And uh, Lord, thank You that uh, we're on the winning side, and uh, just the challenge we've had tonight in song. And uh, you've been so good. And uh, Lord, help us tonight as your word is opened. I pray you'd be our teacher uh, tonight. And uh, I don't know the, the battle that uh, somebody may be facing tonight. Maybe there's somebody with a heavy load. Maybe somebody here tonight that uh, just dealing with a, a burden, uh, maybe something that's uh, bigger than them. And, and yet, Lord, you can handle it. And I pray that we would be able to cast our care upon you for you care for us. And Lord, I, I pray that you would build within our hearts and life uh, this simple faith and trust, this peace that passes all understanding. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated here this, uh, this evening. Uh, as we've uh, gone through the book of Philippians and uh, coming to this point, what we find is that the book of Philippians is a, is a book of joy. And uh, really, it's, it's the, one of the most joyful books in all of the Word of God. Uh, 19 times, at least in this particular book, there's the mention of joy, or rejoicing, or gladness. And interestingly, Paul wrote this from a Roman prison, probably chained to a Roman soldier, and yet uh, this is a joyful book in the life of Paul. Paul was filled with the joy of the Lord. Uh, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He's looking back to this church at Philippi. And then he says, always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. And then he exhorted the, the Philippians as well as us that we are in verse number 4 of chapter 4 to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Uh, Nehemiah, I believe it was, that stated the joy of the Lord is to be your strength. That may have been Ezra, uh, but the joy of the Lord, it's to be a strength of our Christian life. And it's a promise that God offers to those uh, that know the Lord Jesus Christ and walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, God wants to give us a joy that bubbles over out of our life. It's a joy that uh, leads to the peace of God. And if we uh, know that joy, it's something that would be reflected through our lives and make an impact in the lives of others. Now, as we're going through the, the book of Philippians, every chapter deals with what we might call a joy robber. Uh, chapter 1, uh, circumstances. How many times do we get under the circumstances instead of above the circumstances? And circumstances can rob our joy if we live under those circumstances. Now, what were Paul's circumstances? He was in prison. He was uncertain of the future. In chapter 1, he was gossiped and lied about. And yet Paul says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so he would not be controlled by his circumstances. He would still have the joy of the Lord despite those circumstances. Now, chapter 2, people. How many times do we allow people, relationships, to still our joy? Broken relationships. Uh, Paul discovered the mind of Christ in Philippians chapter 2. He talked about the mind of Christ. And he said, fulfill you, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, 
being of one accord, of one mind. And he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he talks about the mind of Christ as a mind of humility, a mind of selfless service, a mind of dying to self and seeking to lift others up. And in doing so, uh, the Lord would lift him up. And uh, he expressed, uh, let every man esteem other better than themselves. And so Paul dealt with the people problem that steals joy. Chapter 3, we just completed. Uh, things that can rob our joy, things. We allow things to come between us and the Lord. And uh, those things of our life, uh, they sometimes uh, take precedence over the Lord. And in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, Paul said, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, he said, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And Paul learned that no thing would take the precedence over the Lord in his life. Now chapter 4, we're going to spend some time on this chapter. Uh, I think one of the great joy robbers is that of worry. Uh, worry, it's the opposite of faith. It robs our joy, uh, robs us of God's peace. If we're going to maintain joy, we've got to deal with this aspect of worry in our lives and learn always to trust in the Lord. So what I want to, want to do tonight is just look at some principles that are set forth in these verses that will help us to deal with worry. And these, by the way, have been just a, a great, through the years, encouragement uh, to myself personally, uh, just looking at uh, dealing with worry and learning to, to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. How can we deal with worry? I'll give you the first thought tonight. And if you're going to deal with worry, uh, your source of joy has to be very crucial to you. Uh, if you look in verses 1 through 4, I want to read these verses again. And I want to point out um, just a statement that's made in these first uh, uh, four verses. He says, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast. And I want you to see this statement in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same, same mind. Notice this statement in the Lord. And then verse number four that you're very familiar with, rejoice. And what does it say? In the Lord. Always and again I say rejoice. Uh, we're to deal with this issue of worry. We've got to know the source of our joy. And what is that source of our joy? Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, our strength is in the Lord. Now, I want you to look at, at verse number one. It's evident throughout this book. And, and Paul was very close to this church at Philippi. And uh, just notice his, his terms of endearment in this chapter. He says, therefore, my brethren. And then he says, dearly. Beloved, long for. He says, my joy, my crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. He was close to this church and uh, like family as he deals with this church. I, I feel the same about Valley Bible Baptist Church. And I was just thinking as I was looking through this passage this afternoon, thinking of these uh, grand girls and uh, just the joy that we've had uh, being together. And this is what Paul's heart was uh, towards this church at Philippi. He was miles apart 
And yet he was so close to this church. But he exhorts this church, if you look in verse number 1, so stand fast in the Lord. That's similar to the thought of Ephesians chapter 6, where we're in a spiritual war. And it's evident that the enemy uh, will do all he can to still and to destroy and to rob. The thief cometh not but for to still, to kill, and to destroy. And it's the thief that seeks to rob our joy. Now, if you're saved tonight, that thief Satan cannot take your salvation. That's secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. But that thief, and through spiritual war, can take away the joy and the usefulness of that salvation. And so at Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And the fact is we can't defeat Satan in our flesh and we cannot have joy in our flesh. And see, joy is a result of our relationship with him. And so Paul exhorts this church, stand fast, uh, be strong in the faith, stand in the Lord. That's our source of joy. And that's so very clear. Verse 4, rejoice, what does it say? In the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. He's the source of our joy. Uh, The fact is tonight, no other person can bring true joy to you. No other relationship can bring true joy. No possession can bring joy. No accomplishment in your life can bring this true joy. Uh, The joy that you have, the source of that joy, must center in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if I'm going to continue in that joy, I must know the source of that joy, and I must stay close to that source, and I must be strong in the Lord to maintain that. Now, I I believe if we look back even, that thought is real similar here. Look at verse number 2, and uh, notice the statement. He's the source not only of joy, but he's the source of unity. He said, I beseech Euodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind, and again this statement, in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, with other of my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Now we've mentioned that people or wrong relationships can often still our joy. And if you're honest with yourself, you can look at at a time where maybe a broken relationship or a problem with an individual really took away joy in your life. But notice the statement here in verse number 2. These two women are exhorted to be of the same mind, and this is very important in the Lord. Our unity is in the Lord. And you think about a home... In the home, the unity of a home must be in the Lord. And the unity of a a local church comes from our walk with the Lord. And Paul is pointing these two women to their walk with the Lord. I'm not sure what the problem was between Iodias and Sentine, but there was an issue. Maybe it was jealousy, perhaps uh, personality, conflict uh, with each other, pride, always at the source of that uh, with all 
uh, conflict. Uh, we find pride is at the center of it. And, and evidently the problem with these two women was causing issues within the church. Uh, but it was nothing that submission to the Lord could not take care of. And what Paul is saying, you've got an issue with each other. Get your eyes off of each other. Put your eyes back on the Lord. And your source of joy is very important. And that source of unity that comes in that walk with the Lord is very crucial. So your source of joy, it's important. Keep that source right. If you're to maintain the joy of the Lord. If you're to deal with the issue of worry. Now go with me to verse number 5. Second thought tonight, if we're to deal with worry, uh, continue in this walk of joy, your prayer life is important. Your source is important, but your prayer life is very important. Now notice in verse 5, the, the statement here, let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. The word moderation is very important. The word means not going to extremes. I like to term it like this. It's an evergreen Christian. Uh, you know, there, there are some people, when they're high, they're high. And when they're low, they're low. And I believe the principle that God wants to give to us is that we should be steadfast. And we ought to be an evergreen. An evergreen, it's green in the summertime. It's green in the wintertime. It's green when things are good and green when things are not good. And what Paul is expressing is let your moderation be known unto all men. Uh, be steadfast. Stay under control. Uh, continue a life that is restrained. Don't lose your temper. Uh, don't uh, be easily angered. Uh, stay calm in your mind. That's the principle of moderation. He says, for the Lord is at hand. And when you think about that, that thought, first of all, it can apply to the fact he's close to you. And he won't give you more than you can bear. He's at hand. But I think beyond that, uh, he's at hand the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we ought to be steadfast, neither high nor low, but steadfast, continuously faithful in our service to the Lord, always prepared. The Lord is at hand. Uh, but here's the real principle. Go on to verse number 6. In verse number 6, be careful for nothing. That, that literally means don't worry about anything. I memorized this verse years ago because I said this was a besetting sin. Uh, so I memorized this verse, and God has used this passage in this chapter uh, just in my own personal life. Be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Uh, but notice here this key, but he says, in everything. Uh, what it means is that we are to pray about everything. A woman asked her pastor, uh, said, Pastor, should we pray about the small stuff? And the pastor responded to this woman, well, in the eyes of God, everything's small. And you think about that, there's nothing that you face or deal with that's too big for God. And so what you think is small, it's small to God, but what you think is big is still small to God. And what God is saying to us in everything, God wants you to talk to Him about everything. If it concerns you, it concerns Him. If it's important to you, it's important to Him. I, I think in our relationship with the Lord, there should be nothing hidden. Nothing that we hide from the Lord. He knows about it anyway. We think we hide from God, but no, we don't. He knows your thoughts. 
If there's sin in your life, be honest with Him about it. You're facing temptation, you can talk to Him about it. You're going through struggles, tell it to the Lord. You have worries, you have concerns, let the Lord know about it. Nothing should be hidden from God. We should have such a walk with the Lord that we can talk to God about anything and everything. There's nothing that before the Lord He doesn't already know. There's nothing hidden from Him. We can pour our hearts out before the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, "By in everything, in, in verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything. He said, by prayer and supplication. The word supplication means to be humble and earnest in our request. It's a petition with earnestness, with submission before the Lord. So he says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. If you think about it tonight, even before God gives you an answer, as you're coming to the Lord, you ought to be grateful. And as we pray, we ought to pray with grateful hearts before the Lord. We can pray knowing that God always knows best. Now, curious here tonight, how many of you have asked God for something that He did not give to you and you were grateful afterwards that He didn't give it to you? Isn't that a blessing? Uh, aren't you thankful that God knows best? And uh, that as we come before the Lord, I, I was reading about a pastor uh, he was candidating for a church. It was a, a very uh, prestigious church, a very well-known church. And in his mind, this was, uh, this was it. Uh, he had arrived, and this was the church. This is where God wanted him to be. And so he requested of the Lord, Lord, open this door. You've opened a door for me to preach, for me to candidate. Let this church call me. And uh, the church did call him, but then some circumstances uh, kind of made it an impossibility. And, and was just reading his testimony, and he blamed the Lord. He said, Lord, you, you let me down. He said, I asked you to give this church to me. You let me down. And then a few years later, he realized, Lord, I'm so grateful that you didn't send me to that church. And there were some things that he didn't know about that began to take place in that church. And so we can, in everything, make our request known to the Lord. And he already knows, and we can be grateful even ahead of time, in every situation, uh, always before the Lord. If we're going to deal with worry, uh, we have to come to this place that uh, uh, we keep our prayer life right, that we can talk to God about anything and everything and simply pour our hearts out before Him. We have to know our source, the source of our joy in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. We have to deal with worry by keeping our prayer life right. Now look with me at verse 7. Here's a third thought. If you're going to deal with worry, your thought life is very important. Your thought life is so crucial. He says, verse 7, The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, God's peace is a wonderful, wonderful thing. God wants His children to know His peace. It's a peace that keeps our minds. It's a peace that the world cannot understand. I, I was thinking back uh, to, to my grandmother. Uh, for many, many years, I had all four of my grandparents, and uh, really the, the one that I thought was the most healthy is the one that passed away first. And I remember doing her funeral and uh, just uh, having to comfort myself in comforting others, and it uh, wasn't an easy thing. 
But here's one thing that happened is the peace of God that passeth all understanding. I couldn't explain it other than God's peace was so real. And God's presence was there. There's a peace that God can give that the world cannot know. And in the midst of the greatest turmoil, you can have the peace of God. Uh, as I look at our world uh, around us today, if I did not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I would sure be worried. Because I'm seeing all that's happening in our world today, and, and you just see the, the turmoil and uh, uh, the things that are happening in the world today. And, and without the Lord, it, it would make no sense. But knowing the Lord today, there's a peace that we can have no matter what happens in our world today. It doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter how the elections went. I can have peace in the Lord because of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is God's promise to us. Now, if we're to have that peace, look at verse 8. And this is such a crucial verse in this section of Scripture. You see, your thought life is important. He says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, there be any praise, think on these things. I, I read the statement of a psychologist, and they uh, had done some research and concluded that at least 92% of the things that we worry about aren't even true, or we have exaggerated them, or it's out of our control. What the psychologist concluded is that the things that we worry about are things that we can't do anything about anyway. And I thought that was interesting. Most of our worries come from uncontrolled thoughts. Have you ever had something in your mind you were so worried about and you worried, you worried, you worried, and then you came to the end of it and you realized, what did I worry? Nothing to worry about. I can't tell you the number of times I, I would stay awake. I was worried about the test that I would take the next day. And I would study and I would study and I would worry and I would worry and I would get to the next day and it would be the easiest test I'd ever taken. And I thought, you know, I probably could have taken it, didn't even have to study, but I was worried. And over and over I found the things that I've worried about are things that there was no need to worry about. And as we look at this, God is telling us the importance of our thoughts. As you consider this list, look at, look at this list. Uh, and in this list of verse number eight, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, there be any praise think on these things how much of your television does that do away with how much of the news does that do away with how much news do you listen to that's not even true okay the worries that you get from just listening to the news let me give you a thought here do you realize that that list is all fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ and if you would think upon the Lord he's true He's honest, he's just, he's pure, isn't he lovely? He's altogether lovely. 
He is of good report. He is filled with virtue. He is worthy of praise. And so thinking on the Lord Jesus Christ, he fulfills every aspect of this. But think also, uh, this refers to the Word of God. Uh, the Word of God, meditating in the Word of God. That will keep your heart off of worry, thinking on God's Word. All of this fulfilled. There's a power in meditating upon the Word of God. Our power, our, our, our thought life is, is very powerful. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. God looks upon the thoughts of the heart. And he promises in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then he says, casting down imaginations. How many times do we imagine something? We're like the children of Israel. We see the giants in the promised land and we see that we're like grasshoppers and they came back with an evil report. They said, we saw the giants of the land and there's no way that we can conquer them. We're like little bitty grasshoppers before them, imaginations of their heart. And he says, in casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If we're going to deal with worry, the thought life has got to be right. Okay, our source has to be right. Okay, our prayer life has to be right. And our thought life has to be right. Give you one more very important thought. Look at verse number 9, Philippians 4. Your application, your obedience is very important. Notice what Paul says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, one little word, what does it say? Do. Okay? Do. And the God of peace shall be with you. What Paul's expressing, you've watched me, you've observed me, you've heard from me, you've learned and you've been taught and you've received those things. You've seen me put them into application myself. And he says, now it's time for you to put them into application yourself. You're to do them. Uh, put these things to work in your life. Uh, if you are going to succeed, you're going to have to apply the Word of God. If you're not applying the Word of God, your heart's going to be filled with unrest. How many times did you worry or have unrest in your heart because you were not in obedience to the Lord? Maybe God spoke to your heart about something you didn't follow through with, that there was no peace, there was worry that came as a result of that. See, right living is necessary to experience the peace of God. So many Christians have not the peace of God because they're not in the will of God. And if you're in disobedience to the known will of God in any area of your life, you will not have peace. In fact, if you're in disobedience to the known will of God, there's going to be a life of worry. If you're not in God's will you can't have God's peace and you can't have victory over worry in your life. Now, I want to, to go to the book of James just very quickly, close with a passage of Scripture, James chapter 3. Uh, you'll find the book of James, move, move forward um, after the book of Hebrews, and uh, we'll go to the book of James chapter number 3. Some interesting verses here at the end of the chapter that I think uh, go right along this thought of worry. Uh, James chapter 3, verse 14. James 3, verse 14 reads, But if you have bitter envying 
and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there's confusion, every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, of good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. See, when our hearts are right with the Lord and uh, uh, when we are settled within our hearts, we can be at peace with others. When we're settled within our hearts, there's nothing to worry about. When our eyes are upon the Lord, uh, that peaceable fruit of righteousness is manifest out of our life, out of our heart. So to deal with worry, to have God's peace, to have that joy of the Lord that would be like uh, an artesian well flowing out of our life, you have to understand your source. Back in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord. He's the source. And then we have to deal with our prayer life. That's very important in everything. Uh, with prayer, or by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, making your request known unto the Lord. Uh, your thought life is very important, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And your application, your obedience to what God gives you is essential. It's very important. Thoroughly convinced that God's people can have the peace of the Lord that will manifest in your life. And as the world is filled with turmoil, there's problems all around us, we can have God's joy. Now, i give you one illustration biblically. Uh, Paul wrote the book of Philippians, but if you were to go back when Paul first went to the city of Philippi, Paul was taken captive and thrown into prison with Silas. You know the account in Acts chapter 16, it was the midnight hour. And at that midnight hour, what did Paul and Silas do? They sang to the Lord. They rejoiced in the Lord. See, they were not worried about what the day or the next day would hold, or they were not worried about their future. They were right with the Lord. They rejoiced in the Lord. And we know the story, God delivered them from the prison house. The jailer got saved and thoroughly convinced that as Paul's writing to this church at Philippi, this jailer would have been a part of that church. And some have even suggested that was possibly the Clement of chapter 4. We don't know that and could never say that, but some suggested that. Uh, I think he was a part of this church and he had witnessed the life of Paul. Paul put into application what he wrote about. And if I can just give this challenge here tonight, God can give you his joy. God can give you his peace no matter what happens around you. And this is God's design and delight for his children to know that joy, to know that peace that passes all understanding. Let's go to the Lord.